0: Modern Pods acknowledges the traditional owners and custodians of country throughout Australia. We pay our respects to all First Nations people and acknowledge Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to the Modern Pods podcast where we discuss the future of housing, sustainability and innovation in Australia. Each episode we'll be chatting with thought leaders, industry experts and all kinds of interesting people who are committed to shaping a better Australia for generations to come. Today, we have a slightly different episode here for you, although this person is committed to shaping a better Australia. Jessie McLaughlin is the founder of Ultru, a charity dedicated to bringing love, dignity and compassion to the disadvantaged. Welcome to the podcast, Jessie.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Do you prefer Jess or do you like Jessie?
1: You know, I actually always just get called Jessie. I mean, my name is Jessie. I'm not a Jessica. So yeah, I don't know. My name in high school was Yesy Jesse, so I think that's. We we (laughs) know (laughs) that. It's just always been Jesse, so you can call call me whatever.
0: Okay. Um, So tell us about Altru. Where did that come about? How did you start it? Tell us all about it.
1: Uh, Well, I was living in the US when I initially started um, Altru. Um, It is a charity that I thought of. And, well, oh, look, <laughs> we, I didn't anticipate it being a charity. Um, initially, we had hosted um, an event uh, that I – it's how I celebrate my birthday each year with two of the other co-founders. And um, the idea came about um, through several different ways. We were all people that were already uh, being of service, um, either volunteering or uh, heavily involved in social impact causes – um, and I, at the time, was tutoring some at-risk kids who uh, their mother was a DV victim and they'd had, they had run away with nothing. So the, their mother had um, three jobs and uh, it was one of the little girls' birthdays and she could only afford to purchase a bag of Oreos, which was one of these children's favourite uh, foods. And um, I didn't want to overstep by also trying to buy a birthday present or anything like that where I knew that would probably make her mother, who was working incredibly hard, uh, feel bad. So um, when it was time for my birthday, we decided uh, let's host an event where we could disguise it as a birthday party for all of those who probably don't get to have a birthday party, uh, where they would feel like they could accept uh, free giveaways and... um, And yeah, so that's kind of initially how it started. And then each year it grew. Um, We quadrupled by the third year. I think we were serving 4,000 people. um, And we were not a charity. (laughs) And then um, as a foreigner, I was like, I'm not even sure how to go about this. Um, And then we officially became a charity. And then I think a few years later, we were serving 8,000 people on this one-day event. And each year it became a more intentional event. So I would go out and ask guests on the street Um, or in social housing and ask individuals uh, what were some of their essential needs that they felt like there was too many waiting lists or um, things that they didn't have access to. And so intentionally we created a a charity event that's free that um, allows you to access immediate services in real time. So you can see a doctor, a dentist, Uh, you can have your eyes checked, you can we, everything we've donated and giveaways are new. So you receive a new pair of shoes and you receive something that's actually yours and uh, that can be really empowering for a person. So, and then we blend it with a day of fun because you're already in fight or flight. Life's already pretty challenging. And so this is a way that you can be celebrated beyond your adversity.
0: That sounds amazing. All right, so this is in the US. Um, you, you're servicing up to 8,000 people at each event and then you decide to move home to Australia then what happens?
1: Uh, I restarted the charity from scratch um, I had tutored at-risk youth and been heavily involved in feeding the unhoused when I was in high school uh, so 15 years ago and I was very aware of some of the stories and I remember the first man I met um, his name was John he'd broken his back in an accident and uh lost his home because his disability repayments didn't cover his mortgage. And I thought, my God, that could happen to anyone. Um, And that story had always really stayed with me about like how grateful I am um, and how, you know, that really broke stigma in my head as a 16 year old. Um, And so since returning home, I still tutor at-risk youth and so and obviously with the current economic crisis and housing crisis I think that uh, this charity event is needed now more than ever um, because we not only can highlight a problem in an uplifting way about how we can also encourage your everyday person to jump on board. magical things about Australians and the Australian community is that in a crisis, like when we see natural disasters, how wonderful communities come together to help complete strangers. Um, And we really need that now more than ever um, to come together and help a lot of people. It's one in three working Aussies are struggling to make ends meet. Like we're not a developing nation, like that's not okay. Yeah, um, absolutely. we don't need to have to – we don't necessarily have to wait for policy changes. Like we are a resourceful bunch of people that have the ability to this small thing creates. When you have a 1,000 volunteers show up, that is more than one drop in the ocean creating a ripple. Um, And so, yeah, I think it's really important that we show up for each other and I'm excited to have brought the charity home. Not without its challenges obviously <laughs> but we're here we've made it
0: well look what we love about the charity is that um, you can really see you mobilize and see the results on the ground because it's an immediate service um, I think probably the struggle for a lot of people especially during the current economic climate is you know parting with money to charitable organizations you know it kind of just disappears and you just hope for the best but you know with what you're doing there's a physical event there's stuff happening on the day the immediate services so from your perspective how has it been trying to raise money for this event and to kind of get backing in Australia to help you with these critical services?
1: This has been significantly more challenging than I had anticipated. I think I would completely understand the hesitation if I was an unknown event like if this had never happened before Uh, also because our charity is best known in the U.S. for this festival but we have all these other ongoing services that we provide when it comes to at-risk youth and marginalized individuals through mentoring and tutoring and you see tangible results there as well Um, and obviously we have statistical outcomes we collect data on the day so that we can build reports around social genomics to understand the needs of a person Um, specifically not only just in crisis but preventative measures in order to understand how can we prevent people from becoming unhoused like in what areas we can provide support sooner Um, and so we have all of that data of more than 10 events and we've hosted them in Los Angeles, Chicago and New York so to come back to Australia and uh, feel the resistance or hesitation um, has been quite challenging. Initially at the beginning of the year, the housing crisis was not really in the media. And I think when I was taking a lot of meetings initially, a lot of the statistics I was providing, and also the census hadn't been released yet either, that data. Um, So it was kind of, uh, it's what I deem functional invisibility. Um, it exists. It's just, it's not as in your face as you know other places in the world. Um, so I think there's several reasons why I was met with hesitation. It was quite hard to believe, or there is still a lot of stigma that does exist. And I think sometimes when people think we are incredibly lucky in this country to have social services, however, it. It doesn't mean there's accessibility. It doesn't mean they're immediate. You know, that's a very under-resourced and there's a lot of pressure put on those systems currently. Uh, So, you know, wait lists can be 18 months, housing can be four years. So it's what do those people do? And we should really show up to the party if you have the ability to, Um, especially with our event in particular, I think, Not every charity can show you in real time where the time donation and dollar donation has gone and uh, you actually see in full effect from start to finish the gift of opportunity and the joy that that's created in someone's life. Um, You know, when I've showed up previously, I mean, to this day, I can give you a really good example. Um, I tutored, I mentored, sorry, um, a man that I met at the event uh, that was unhoused and then he got a home. Um, He was on a wait list for two and a half years and um, he was a veteran and he uh, was homeless because of medical bankruptcy from a hit and run. Um, And his story, it was completely unfair, like the whole circumstances, but you know, they're the cards his life had dealt him. And um, we still talk to this day every week. He is a huge part of my life. I've mentored him probably seven years now and now he rents out the house that he lives in to other marginalized individuals that are transitioning out of homelessness. And I think like if we took anything from all of the days that we've hosted these events or connected with individuals, it's that the investment in that person. Now he is the fiber of of the ethos of what we want to represent where now he gives back to community. And like he's not resentful, he's he's always saying he's too blessed to be stressed and I think that's got to be the fibre of society.
0: Yeah, that's amazing and I think expediting that process as quickly as you have, you know, it just makes such a difference compared to I guess the traditional access that people have to services like that. Um, you're obviously very passionate about people, you're passionate about the charity, so much so that you're, you know, the the main funder of this event at the moment um, while you are seeking support, who who should come down to this event? Who are you hoping to see in Brisbane?
1: Do we mean by who are we serving? Or, yeah. Um. Honestly, anyone who's struggling to make ends meet, we have something for everyone. So, um, we definitely have. Uh, so because of the intentional aspect that I really try to keep, I um, leading up to this event have gone in asked guests on the street during outreach uh, from all of southeast Queensland. So I've gone to Ipswich and volunteered, I've gone to Inala and volunteered, in Southport I volunteered, and I've asked guests in multiple locations what are their essential needs. Um, we've got a lot of wound care required, eye testing. Uh, we've got people wanting haircuts or kids wanting new shoes because they've never owned their own pair of shoes before. Uh, So we've tried to ensure that all of those things are accommodated for. So if you're someone that can't make it from A to B right now, this is a place for you to come and feel safe, to seek assistance, uh, connect with services that do exist for you. It's also a day where we highlight, you know, up to 30 other organisations and charities doing great work that are there to help you. Like you don't know what you don't know until it's been placed in front of you and it's a great day to highlight all of these other organizations and um, charities that can connect some dots for you um, in real time and then we obviously have the fun element so if you're someone that needs school supplies because you can't afford it for your kids Officeworks have donated you know 300 packs of back to school supplies like there truly is something for everyone that needs it and if Simply, you don't feel like you need anything, but you want to connect with community because you know being unhoused or being in some of these circumstances can be incredibly isolating. Then come down and have a dance. We've got some hype humans on a dance floor with some good <laughs> live music, some food trucks.
0: I feel like you might be one of those people. Is that right?
1: Absolutely, <laughs> I hear the music and I'm moving. <laughs>
0: Um, So tell me about some of the support that you have had in the States. What sort of companies have contributed to Ultra in the past and, you know, who would be an ideal candidate to support you moving forward?
1: So I feel like uh, one of the best ways to even describe half of this event is in America there's things called gifting suites and I've been very lucky in the past when I had gone to Coachella to have some of those experiences and I had strongly felt initially as um, this idea was starting to grow, um, is that, you know, with something like your live aid, or even for me getting to go to a fundraising dinner, it's, I get to enjoy all of those experiences, but the people that we're fundraising money for and that are truly challenged don't get to necessarily receive that joy. So I was like, how do we blend these two things together? And also, when you value a human, And this is like if we remove socioeconomic status at all. When you feel valued and inherently we want to belong, that changes the trajectory of how you choose to rise to the occasion. There is a lot of other internal factors psychologically about how we can exist as humans and do the best we can when you feel like you are a part of something. Because there is a sense of purpose when you're in a community and it's very hard it's significantly more challenging when you're that lone wolf. So when I had the idea of making it a bit more like a gifting suite, so I tried to really encourage some new belo- new belongings, whether we had lots of donations that were secondhand and they were great quality, uh, but we tried to have at least one aspect be new. Initially, it started off with shoes. So we had uh, Save Soul, which donates things like New Balance, brand new New Balance and brand new Nikes. And that was really awesome in the States. And then we had some great clothing that was donated and um, we had um, Just Water, which is Jaden Smith's water. Um, But you know, that was in a boxed water because we try to hit as many sustainability goals. So whatever is left over at the event, we actually pay forward to all the organizations. Uh, generally, we don't have actually much left over. Um, but if we do, we try to remain as sustainable. Sustain, st- it's <laughs> a tough one.
0: It's as it's sustainable
1: as possible. Oh, my gosh. What a word. Um, it's an importante word. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yes, so we had Uber because, again, we were trying to get people to carpool um, and make it to the event. So, And HBO was a sponsor. Netflix was a sponsor. We were incredibly lucky with the people that jumped on board because not only did they jump on board for the event but uh, the longevity of the actual charity in the US with how we draw out the systems for mentoring and tutoring at-risk youth for free because that's a prevention method. Um, But the trust and camaraderie is built at the festival. Someone's already shown up for you. You can start to trust these people because one of the ethos I've always had in medicine and we try to also use it with all true is it's important to under promise and over deliver because hope is one of the most important things you can have and you're not entitled to take that from someone else so we do not promise anything we have no plans on delivering on Um, we don't release a lot of information for that reason um so it is as intentional as we can keep it but it would be great to have brands on board and we always get like pretty high-end brands and we've had we've been very lucky with a lot of the high-end brands because they have a social corporate responsibility and I think it was the Harvard Business Review that released um, some statistics recently about uh, corporate responsibility where the next generation I think it's nine times out of ten consumer will no longer consume your products or align with your business if you do not give to more grassroots organizations that are you know, actually doing some good work.
0: Yeah, I've I've seen those statistics as well. And I mean, from what we're seeing with global trends is that's that's something that will continue more so as, you know, the younger generations kind of hit their peak uh, earning capacities and things like that. They're definitely looking at supporting companies that do have both social and environmental um, mm-hmm. targets in place. So. Well, I
1: think it's going to be their world, right?
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: You know that they have to... Make sure it keeps moving.
0: So if there is a brand out there that wants to help out and be associated with something like this, what would they need to do?
1: Holla. <laughs> uh, you can contact us on socials. Otherwise, collab, C-O-L-L-A-B, at wearealltrue.com. is a great place to start. Um, or jump onto the website so you can fully understand Uh, what the charity is about. We have two elements, which we're best known for the festival. Lots of people like to jump on board for that because it's highly visible. Um, It's just as good for a brand to be of service. But, you know, you connect with thousands of volunteers. In the US, we have 5,000 volunteers. So it's pretty advantageous for your brand to also be seen doing good things because once you show up to the party, the party's a good time.
0: And you don't want to be the last one to the party either.
1: No. No, you don't. And it's a party with a purpose. So who doesn't want to be a part of that? Um, And then also just investing in the future, which is our at-risk youth, um, low socioeconomic families, just creating opportunities because in the wise words of my surgical boss, it's generally the underdog that becomes the goat gifted the opportunity to rise to the occasion.
0: All right. I'll have a think about that and see if I can piece that together.
1: Yeah, it's like a lot of times, you know, someone just needs the opportunity to rise to the occasion and that hasn't been presented yet.
0: I love it. So when are these events being held?
1: We've got our first one coming up, which is the 11th of November in Brisbane, serving all of southeast Queensland. It is being held in Musgrave Park uh, from 12 till 4. But if you are a volunteer, you need to come earlier Uh, because we obviously hype you up, (laughs) give you instructions, all the good stuff. Um, And then our second one is being hosted in April, April 27th in uh, Alexandra Gardens in Melbourne. And then our third one is Sydney, um, TBD. We're trying to figure out the best location to be of service and intentional there. Um, But similarly, like we do in the US, it is on... Same weekend generally every year. It's an annual free event. Um, And then our other initiatives like tutoring and mentoring are ongoing all year round. Uh, But most of that comes from the actual event. Most guests sign up at the event. So, yeah, sign up for a good time.
0: (laughs) That's a good way to end it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, Jess, thank you very much for your time today. Again, you're obviously very passionate about what you do. Um, Here at Bodden Pods, we also love what you do. We work a lot in social housing. We see what's happening out there in the economy and it's organisations like this that are, you know, they're really going to lead the way in creating a positive difference directly within communities, I think, moving forward. Um, So, again, thank you for your time today and everything that you're doing with your amazing charity.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow Modern Pods on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube for more content and updates. I'm Ben Whitmore. Thanks for listening.